0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast.
1: And we're live. The chat works because I just threw a chat in there. I mean, I can always, you know, um, we could do like a... I think after the talk where I read some of the comments.
2: Yeah. Um, I promise I'll get started right away, everyone. My name is Zoe Burrs, and my pronouns are they and them. And I'm very happy to be here, and I just found a live. All right,
1: so you're good with the – so everybody – Zoe's our guest speaker. I am going to mute my mic, turn off my camera, and we're just going to enjoy this great talk. I'm very excited for it. And then uh, I'll pop back on after the talk, and we'll do some Afterglow Q&A if anyone has any questions. How's that sound? Good?
2: Sounds good to me, Josh. Thanks.
1: No problem. Let's rock and roll. All right. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Uh,
2: my name is Zoe, my pronouns are are they and them, and um, just taking a look at the comments here. Please introduce yourself, tell me where, tell each other where you're from. I know most of you, there's Joshua, Kate, Jessica, I don't know RCG5227, hi. Roberta, hi Steve, uh, hi Lisa, thank you for the comment on my shirt. I also love this shirt very much. Um, and every time I wear it, people tell me it's fabulous. So thank you. Um, and uh, Andrea, hi, hi, Victrola. um share your uh, share your pronouns and where you're from. Um, and while I'm talking, please feel free to uh, to talk to each other. Um, I'm going to put up a little barrier so that I can only see my camera and I won't be able to see the Uh, The comments um, because I will be very distracted by them. I'm going to try and get through what I have to say quickly so that we have lots of time to talk afterwards. And uh, I'm going to go through the comments after. I'll take the little barrier down and I'll look at the comments. And if there's any questions, I'll interact with them. And I'm hoping that while this is happening, y'all will interact with each other. And um, yeah, Uh, in fact... A lot of what I am talking about today has to do with uh, nonviolent communication. With uh, well, I mean, I'm going to get there. It's kind of my final, my final convers, final bit of the conversation. And uh, and so um, I'm hoping that there will be some interaction and even some disagreement, because uh, as uh, I, I guess I'll just say right at the very beginning, um, at the end, I'm going to talk about some. Some actually, you know what? I'm gonna spill the beans. I'm not gonna bury the lead. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what I'm gonna tell you at the end. And I'm gonna encourage you to practice these things. And then at the end, I'm gonna say it all again. So here they are. Um, So here's my my, my final points on the practice of nonviolent communication. I encourage you to do the following. Uh, Did I write them down? Yes, I did. (laughs) Okay. Um, be vulnerable. Share with people what you're feeling. So, uh, some, so often we come up to conversation with other other people, belief to belief, and uh, the beliefs that we hold um, uh, are are often quite crystallized and uh, even close to our identity. Just a moment. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, close to our identity. And um, and it can be very difficult for somebody else to hear what we have to say, oh, I'm, I'm already preaching the end of my message, um, to hear what we have to say, um, if they also have a belief that's contrary, that is very close to their identity. Um, but if you can share how you feel, uh, not, just, not just what you believe, but how you feel, and you can put yourself in that vulnerable place, um, and you can listen, this is the other part, to how the other person feels, uh, then you may find yourself having a more productive conversation. Also, one other thing is uh, describe what you need. So um, you might uh, you might be having a discussion about about um, about trans rights in the United States. And uh, maybe you have a friend who's trans, or maybe you're trans, or you have a child who's trans. And, uh, or maybe you just are an ally and you care very much about, uh, about trans rights and safety in the United States. Um, talk about what it is that you, that you need or that you're asking for from the other person. Um, maybe you need them to listen to your story. Uh, so yeah, and then listen to what it is that they need. Maybe that other person, the thing that they need is assurance that children in the United States are going to be safe. Maybe they've heard a lot of rhetoric about safety um, around, uh, around trans identity. And what they want is to know that you care about their children and their children's safety. Um, you can acknowledge that because likely you share that value. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Now you don't even have to listen. If you if you like what I just said, then I mean, just uh, whatever. Ignore what I have to say from now until the end, and just uh, talk amongst yourselves. Um, uh, so we've got some folks from Arizona. Uh, let's see, RCG is from Pennsylvania. Roberta is from New Mexico. Hi, RCG. Uh, and <laughs> thanks, Lisa. Um, thanks for sharing your pronouns. Um, hi, Selena. Um, yes, we did have the chat turned off, Chris. Uh, it was a it was an error earlier, uh, but it's turned on now. It's no problem. Um, there you go. So I think I think that's all for now. I might take a look at the comments again in a moment because uh, I have some questions. Uh, if it turns out that the delay makes it too difficult, then um, then I will stop trying to do that and just just give the message. So here we go. Oh, uh, I'm gonna start by saying thanks to Joshua and, and to Jay. Uh, Joshua, thanks for uh, your work yesterday and today and for the work that you do to support uh, Jay, and to support Revolution and for helping make this happen. Uh, Josh is behind the scenes right now, uh, literally on the other side of the continent, um, running this video feed through two apps, which is why there's a significant delay. uh, And um, that's just neat. Thanks, Josh. And uh, Jay, uh, we miss you. Jay, I got to see the Circle Jerks and Seven Seconds last night, so jealous. Uh, Also, he got to meet Kevin Seconds and uh, got an autograph. If you go to uh, his his Instagram page, he put that as a post. So yay for Jay. Uh, we miss Jay and uh, thanks for this opportunity. Also, uh, I wanted to share a photo. Uh, you'll see since I've been here, that over here uh, there is a photo of Jay and I from 2002. Um, but that photo I am less excited to share than I am the photo following, because uh, well, first of all, the first photo—I have no idea if Josh has already put up the second one. But uh, in the in the first photo, uh, you'll uh, uh, you'll notice you won't notice, but there's a little dot on my collar. That's a Canadian flag pin, and way back in two thousand two, uh, uh, Jay was uh, was. Um, a little bit more rough around the edges than he is now. And he definitely did call me out for wearing a Canada flag pin back in 2002. Uh, he <laughs> a little bit of light ribbing. Um, and thanks, Jay. Uh, I'm an anarchist now, so I blame you. Uh, and then the the guy in the background, uh, that's Derek Mensch. He's a... Uh, uh, he's, uh, uh, A mutual friend of Jay and I, I guess you could say, and a punk that was um, photobombing pictures before that was a thing. The the second picture, though, that is a picture that Jay and I took uh, because uh, the other thing that Jay did, like I said, light ribbing, um, the other thing that Jay did was um, we hung out for the weekend with a group of friends, and um, in one of my I guess one of my first interactions with Jay, once I guess he felt comfortable enough to do such a thing, he said, so how long have you been going bald? <laughs> uh, with sort of a little half smirk. And uh, and I said, I've been going bald since high school. How long have you been going bald? <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so we had a little bit of a connection there. And I insisted that we take a picture. So there it is. That's how bald I was in 2002. That's how bald Jay was in 2002. And I'll just say this. I don't wear a hat, uh, Jay does. So uh, just that's all I have to say about that.
0: Um,
2: we miss you, Jay. Uh, I know you'll listen to this later. No, I love you. Um, so I want to start with a land acknowledgement. This is where I was gonna ask you guys a question. Um, but I think the delay makes this a little too difficult. So I'm going to say, I'm going to ask the question, and I guess you can discuss it in the comments, and uh, I'll probably see what you wrote later. I want to ask you if you know what a land acknowledgement is
0: and why we do it. I'll just give you a moment with that. I'll take a drink of this delicious water. What is your experience with land acknowledgements? What do you think of them? Have you ever experienced one before? So land acknowledgements, I believe are very important
2: for those of us who live in colonized lands. That's where I am. I'm in Canada and Canada is a colonial nation that means that uh, we only exist because uh, we, or, or this this state exists as it does because colonizers came and took this land. Long before folks that look like me arrived, uh, there were people here first and those people experienced a genocide. Uh, a lot of the ways that we talk about sort of dystopic futures and horrible events happening uh, um, to to women and to uh, to um, it, uh, those of us with less power, um, these these futures that we that we fear um, are not a future reality for the indigenous people of Turtle Island. That's where we are. Um, this is a reality. Uh, They are living in a world that uh, was created around them, not for them. And right now we are in a time where we have an opportunity to begin to heal or begin to offer opportunities for reconciliation. I don't think that that's something that's going to happen quickly. I don't think it's going to even take one generation. I think it's going to take longer than that. Um, Personally, I think that... uh, Uh, until land is given back, Um, we're going to continue to be in this place. Um, But this is why
0: we do a land acknowledgement. This is the people that the land belongs to. So I'm going to do that now. I acknowledge the
2: traditional land on which I reside is in Treaty 6 territory. Before settlers like myself arrived, the Cree people who lived here called it Amasquatchi, Beaver Hills. I am thankful for the diverse indigenous people who are my neighbors, my comrades, and my friends, and who continue today, as their ancestors did, to steward this land, such as the Nehiyaw, Cree, Dene, Anishinaabe, Soto, Nakota Iska, Nakota Sioux, and Nitsitapi. This is also the Métis homeland and a home to many Inuit people today. I'm especially grateful to elders, Russell and Travis Enright. After I left ministry in 2015, I displayed symptoms of trauma that included a loss of my ability to pray. Earlier this year, Russell Auger burned tobacco with me and led me through a process of prayer. And for the first time, I was able to enter a prayer space with his guidance. Since then, I've been able to access prayer again. It is unlikely that I would be here willing to preach now if
0: not for the intentional spiritual care of these two Cree men. This, uh, Let's just sit with that for a moment. It was very important to me that I start with a land acknowledgement this time because
2: it actually takes me to Uh, a main point of what I have to say. And that is something that I've never said before in a message, um, uh, at least not addressing uh, a group of of people that want to be part of the Jesus story. And that is that we can also make something like a land acknowledgement when it comes to our Bibles.
0: This Bible was not written by people who look like me. It was not written by people,
2: or it was not written uh, for people who look like me. It was written by, about, and for racialized and colonized people.
0: That is the story of the Bible. Let me tell you what I mean.
2: I'm gonna start by telling you about uh, one of my favorite historic humans of all time, forever and ever. His name uh, was Jesus. Jesus was born in the first century. In the first century, there was a mighty empire called Rome. And Rome was taking over the world with some brand new technology called roads. They were spreading their roads, they were building their roads all over the land from Rome and colonizing the areas around them. Jesus was born in uh, an area called Palestine and in Palestine there was many different people groups. Jewish people were one of them, that was his people. And he was born into Palestine as it was being occupied by this colonizing force. Jesus grew up seeing these roads built through his land, separating communities. Jesus grew up watching, watching cop stations be built. Before, uh, before Rome arrived, these indigenous peoples mostly got along with each other, but they, they ruled their own lives, relatively speaking. Uh, Rome arrived, and uh, the first ones to arrive were soldiers on horseback. These were the cops, and the cops on horseback arrived first to say, uh, Romans are coming. This is part of Rome now. And uh, we have weapons. You can't stop us." He watched them build their new buildings. He watched them establish their settlements. Uh, And he watched them build their roads. And he watched these people with weapons on horseback riding through his land, people that didn't know his stories,
0: didn't didn't know his traditions. and they began to settle. Jesus
2: was raised by a badass punk mom. Um, and uh, when I say badass punk mom, I wrote down a passage here that I would like to read to you.
0: Um,
2: Luke chapter one, verses 46 to 55. So for those who, uh, who, <laughs> who forget or didn't know or doubt that uh, Mary was a punk rocker, Uh, here is a song that she wrote. Luke chapter one, verse 46. So keeping in mind that this is the world that she lived in, this is what she said upon uh, discovering that uh, she's going to have a baby. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is a song of revolution. Roll credits. Um, (laughs) This is a song of of societal change. This is an upside-down kingdom. This is a reordering of things as they were. And this woman raised Jesus. She raise Jesus with the stories of the Maccabees and the other revolutionaries who lived in just a few hundred years before Jesus. Um, my camera's wiggling because my phone is on a cat tree and uh, Hobbes, my beautiful kitty, is at the top of the cat tree and he can do whatever he wants. Um, and that means my phone's gonna wiggle. <laughs> And uh, he's watching me preach. So I feel like St. Francis of Assisi right now because I have covered up everything but the camera, but I can see my cat. So I'm preaching about Jesus to my cat, like St. Francis of Assisi. Um, uh, (laughs) So Jesus heard these stories of the revolutionaries and, and Jesus would have been familiar with their names because the names that were given to children at that time in the first century, uh, were the names of those Jewish revolutionaries. This was a people that were ready to see things change. They weren't happy that Rome was there. Uh, Jesus grew up uh, in a poor area. He was in a disadvantaged area. He didn't live in the center of the cultural, um, cultural zeitgeist he was in Galilee. He would have known zealots, the people who were ready to throw down, to change things that that they were seeing around them, to overthrow Rome, even to die. This was what Jesus grew up in. This was Jesus' normal. Jesus heard the stories of his people. And I'm going to tell you one of the stories now. Or rather, I'm going to tell you the story. Here comes the Bible. The rest of my reference for this message is the Bible. Here it goes. Um, the Bible, Zoe version. Um, so, Jesus' mom would have told him the story of 500 or so years ago, another time when Jesus' people were under empire, and at this time, uh, Jesus or Jesus' people found themselves under the empire of Babylon. Babylon did not respect the traditions and the stories of Jesus' people. Jesus' people were racialized. They were put into the poor area of town, Uh, They experienced violence, and uh, they were not free to to worship and to live freely uh, and to use the land for their own good and for their own prosperity. It was stolen. By Babylon. They were separated from their land. And during this time,
0: Jesus' people said, what do we do? Uh, his ancestors, Jesus' ancestors said, what do we do? And so they went and they gathered their stories. They gathered their texts They looked back
2: at all of their old stories and they said let's put this together and make a book that we can share with our children and with our children of our children that tells the story of who we are our relationship with each other our relationship with god and our relationship with this empire they gathered their stories and at that time that's when they put together Uh, the the texts that we call the Hebrew scriptures today and the stories that they told they looked at them and they said this is the story we're going to
0: tell we've been here before and they told the story of an empire an empire called Egypt
2: and they told a story of an empire called Egypt and said this is an empire that fell a long time ago. Because empires fall, they don't remain. And we're still here, empires fall. Not only that, but this empire, it was on our backs that this empire was built. We lived in a, a little ghetto of Egypt called Gershon. And we were racialized and
0: we were separated from the rest of the people of Egypt. They had the power, we did not. And we had to work all day, every day for
2: rations so that we had the privilege of uh, basically giving our bodies uh, to the death um, so that this empire
0: could be built until a rescuer came a rescuer named Moses. And Moses gathered our people and spoke truth to the empire. And we escaped that empire through the Red Sea. And then we became a nation. God destroyed our
2: enemies. And the empire fell. That empire doesn't exist anymore. And now, here we are in Babylon. And in Babylon, we can remember... this is another empire they're not like us we don't live this way we live differently we follow our traditions and we follow our stories but this empire is not going to last forever one day this empire is going to
0: fall and they waited for another moses these are the stories that jesus heard this is the reality in which jesus lived Jesus believed that this would happen again. This is what he was taught. There will be another walk through the Red Sea.
2: Babylon will fall as Egypt did. And we will be free. He grew up with these stories. Jesus believed these stories. He knew that Egypt had fallen. He knew that Babylon had fallen. He knew that Rome would fall too. Jesus paid very close attention to these teachings. Jesus grew up, gathered people around him. People with Names taken from the previous generation's revolutionaries. People including a tax collector, somebody who was in cooperation with the Roman Empire, and a zealot. Among his people, at least one, a zealot. Someone who was ready to give their
0: life and violently... Uh, overthrow Rome he gathered his people and then he began to teach something new Um,
2: to do so was not new Uh, the rabbis of the time would learn the stories the stories in this gathered book and they would they would interpret them and they would teach from them and some of the fe- that some of the people uh, that uh, that told these stories would tell stories and say, what we really need to do is we need to um, we need to follow all the laws that we see in this book, and we need to do it perfectly. And if we follow all the laws in this book perfectly, and we we do everything that it says in every single way, once everybody has done that, then Moses will appear and magic will happen, and Rome will fall. And there was another group of people, and they said, no, 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 no. This book is just a way of us understanding, uh, you know, how to get along with Rome. And uh, these were a more intellectual group of people. And they said, we're just going to kind of get along with Rome, and we're going to do our best to be our own people but we're still going to you know recognize that these are these are our neighbors now and we're going to get along and uh, and then there were others that took these stories and said this is not who we are we are separated from these people just like uh just like moses took the people out of egypt uh we should be out of rome and they laughed and they just lived in the wilderness and said, "We're going to live separately from all of this. We're not going to participate in any of this. Uh, we're not going to use Rome's money. Uh, we're we're just going to live in tents on the on the edge, um, and uh, and basically had had a communal lifestyle together." Um, so there was lots of different teachings at the time, and Jesus' teachings were about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom
0: of heaven was a community that existed after empires had fallen.
2: It was a community that was more real than Rome or Egypt or Babylon. It was a community that would never end, would continue to to organize and would organize according to love and justice and mercy, and faithfulness, and he taught
0: how to live in that kingdom now. Jesus didn't talk with Rome much. Uh, Jesus' way was to gather people,
2: people who, many of them, were what we would call internally displaced persons, folks, uh, folks probably who had lost jobs, um, folks who might not have had homes, folks who, uh, who were among the racialized people, the least among them. How do we know that those were the kinds of people that Jesus was gathering?
0: We know. Because the stories of Jesus are of him teaching thousands of people and then feeding them.
2: Uh, And when we imagine (laughs) a large group of people gathering to hear someone speak outside uh, and they're listening long enough that they don't have food to eat uh, it makes a lot of sense that these were not the wealthiest; these were not the uh, the folks with the most influence. Um, these were your regular working people trying to make it in a colonized land as a
0: racialized group of people. That's who he was speaking to. And when I say that's who he was speaking to, I mean,
2: there were probably soldiers present. Um, In Luke, we have a story of Jesus basically making his way across the countryside, gathering people as he goes. Once again, who who drops what they're doing and follows somebody who's walking across the countryside talking about a new way of living? Unless they don't have a lot to lose. And Jesus walks across the countryside and he he makes his way towards Jerusalem. Now, there were probably cops present because in situations like what I'm describing right now, cops find themselves present. Uh, So I'm not saying that Jesus said these things and other people didn't hear them. But over and over and over again, in Jesus' teaching, we see him stating and demonstrating that the stories he's telling are for his people. Therefore, his group of people in occupied Palestine, especially the Jewish people, and he speaks of the ministry of those who follow him being a ministry to
0: the least of these. When cops arrived, uh, and when um,
2: folks who weren't of his people arrived and asked for help, uh, Jesus would often respond in ways that I would honestly say sound pretty uh, discriminatory. If we forget that Jesus was the racialized, person, and the person he was talking to was the privileged one. Uh, He did minister to and, and serve and help folks that weren't Jewish, but he said over and over again that his reason for existing on the earth was for his people.
0: And so we have a story. We have a story that was gathered by people who were racialized,
2: and occupied and in exile, telling stories of being racialized and occupied and enslaved and in exile and saying, these are the stories of where we came from. And it's being passed down and told to others who are in exile and colonized. And the person at the center of the story that we like so much is one of those people speaking specifically to the racialized colonized people and
0: now here we are handling this book. How did we get here? (laughs) How did somebody who looks like
2: me, living in Canada, a colonizer, end up with this book, reading this book? With what lens do I read this book? Who do I have in mind when I read this book? Who is speaking to me? Who are the ancestors that are speaking to me when I
0: read this book? I'm gonna to refer to my notes again. Paul. Paul is the reason. <laughs> um, I don't like Paul. Uh, Jay likes Paul. I don't like Paul. I'm not a fan. <laughs> um,
2: and uh, and I think I have good reason to not be a fan. I mean, he, he started off his story a murderer. Um, he started off his story being one of those people who said, uh, what we need to do is follow... Every rule, he was one of those, the Pharisees. He said, we're going to follow every rule. And if we follow every rule and do it all perfectly, then um, <laughs> then it's all going to work out. And then something magic will happen. And uh, we'll have
0: our Moses. And then the empires will magically fall. And, uh, and then
2: Paul encountered a Christian named Cornelius. And Paul
0: was... Jewish Christian uh, named Cornelius and and Paul was was injured. He was blind. And while with Cornelius, he learned about Jesus and
2: uh, he came to a new understanding. Paul, however, was not like Jesus or like a lot of the people that followed Jesus. Paul was a person of great privilege,
0: and Paul found himself now in a tradition that was following the teachings of a man who insisted on living the kingdom
2: of heaven now. Jesus had said the kingdom of heaven is among us. Jesus had said, not that one day after we die, we're going to go to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is among us. It's inside you. It's in your relationships. We can live this now. And the way that he taught this is he taught about mutual aid. He said, if you have something to give, you need to give it. Uh, The people uh, surrounding Jesus shared what they had. And He demonstrated this by feeding the people that came to see him. He taught about solidarity. He taught about seeing
0: the other like you see yourself. He taught about love. He taught about loving others as you love yourself.
2: And he said that this was the way that we're going to have a different different kingdom, that this was contrary to the way of empire.
0: Uh,
2: and this is what Paul heard. Jesus taught a nonviolent way in uh, in one of his sermons, well, one, in in one of the collections that we have that we call the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, which is very similar to another collection that we have in Luke that we call the Sermon on the Plain. and I highly recommend reading them both and comparing them. If you uh, don't know the stories of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus, that's a great place to start. And in fact, it might even be a great place to finish if you just want to dip your toes in. Um, read the sermons on the plane and the sermon uh, on the plane and the mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talked about nonviolent resistance in the following way. He said, if a soldier, if a person compels you, to walk one mile, walk with that person too. Now, uh, there was only one kind of person who could compel you to do that. And that is that in the first century, uh, Roman soldiers were able to compel uh, the people that they colonized to carry their stuff uh, for one mile. A mile being a distance that was decided by Rome And Jesus said, if someone compels you to carry their shit, carry it further. He said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also.
0: And he said, if someone says, give me your coat, take off the rest of your clothes and give them that too. Now this...
2: These are very three very interesting examples. And I I imagine that in all three of them, um, um, I imagine that in all three of them, the people listening likely laughed uh, because uh, a Roman soldier couldn't ask you to take their stuff two miles. A Roman soldier uh, wouldn't take your clothes from you, uh, at least not in theory, not according to the law. So the idea of a Roman soldier saying, I'm going to force you to do this. And then looking that cop in the eye and saying, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) And I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, Your authority is not the authority that I recognize. The authority that I recognize is the, the authority of the law of love. I'm going to carry your shit. And I'm going to have an entire mile for you to awkwardly find out that I'm a human being. Maybe we'll have a chat.
0: These were the colonizers. The Roman soldier slaps you in the face with the back of their hand, indicated by the cheek that Jesus said would be hit. And then you look at them and you show them your other hand. You're
2: demonstrating that you're not going to be treated backhandedly, the way that you would treat a slave or a servant or somebody that was less than you, you were saying, if you're gonna punch me, punch me like you're ready to fight.
0: Punch me like I'm an equal. Punch me like I'm a human being. And Jesus said, "Uh, if they take your coat, give them everything else too
2: uh check it out this is a human being do you know what you're doing you're taking everything from us you are taking everything don't pretend that because your law says you're allowed to take this coat that that makes it okay because what you're actually doing
0: is you're stripping us naked that's what you're doing now do i this is an aside Do I think
2: that Christians need to follow nonviolence? No, I don't. I don't think that a Christian um, or that anyone needs to follow the way of nonviolence. I think that the way of nonviolence is a way. I don't think that Jesus describing nonviolence means that it was prescriptive. I think that Jesus was describing nonviolence because it worked. I think Jesus was describing nonviolence because people didn't need to get unalived over a cop saying, carry my stuff. I think that Jesus wanted his people who were living as though the kingdom was now to live as long as possible. Uh, And in so doing, to take opportunity to show that they were living that way when they were living with each other and sharing what they had in solidarity and in mutual aid, living as though Rome was not occupying them and saying, we are going to govern ourselves even though this is here, we're gonna organize until we make this empire irrelevant. But also, uh, (laughs) when forced into a circumstance where you have to interact with that empire, to stay alive and to continue to live as though that kingdom is inside of you. I'm not going to, and I don't uh, uh, believe that, that I have any right, especially as this person that's got my colonized uh, ancestor past and this skin color, uh, to say that anyone should have to uh, follow the nonviolent way However, it is a way,
0: it is a way, and it can be effective. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. followed the way of nonviolence
2: as inspired by Jesus, and as,
0: uh, as described by Leo Tolstoy, in the the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, Leo Tolstoy's
2: uh, a seminal work of Christian anarchism and Christian nonviolence that I also recommend. Leo Tolstoy's uh, description of Jesus' nonviolent way, and uh, and it was effective. And also Martin Luther King Jr. got unalived. Uh, he was killed by the state. As was Jesus. Um, there is something to be said for when Jesus said, Take up your cross and follow me. When he said that, he was talking about a, an instrument of torture and execution used by the state against insurrectionists in particular. When I hear that, what I hear is, you're gonna you're gonna live this way, you're gonna live this kingdom of heaven way. And and as you do, you're gonna be doing things that are contrary to the state, uh, to this empire, to this way of being around you. And you're gonna live in such a way that uh, a cross could be in your future.
0: So Paul liked this and he said, this new way of love, this new way
2: of grace, uh, I wanna tell Romans about it. And that was very controversial. Uh, the uh, the early Christians didn't like that. The early Christians didn't like Paul going and, uh, and sharing these stories um, with the
0: people outside of their community. And you know what? I understand. I think that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? That's why I'm here. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't
2: for Paul. <laughs> if it wasn't for Paul saying, hey, Do you want to join us? Do you want to join us in this not-Empire way? Do you want to join us in this kingdom way? Do you want to join us in this way of grace? Uh, Actually, I'm not going to read from the passage. I'm going to—yes, I am. I'm going to read from here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. Um, If you're a— regular listener to the revolution broadcast and i hope you are you may have heard galatians chapter three in verse 28 before um if you don't uh if you don't remember it uh you might remember it now uh it's going to come up on the screen and it's going to be a different translation that's fine it says paul speaking there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus now that sounds really nice and it means
0: that if Jesus
2: was like Mark, was like uh, Malcolm X, that uh, Paul was doing something a little bit more like Martin Luther King Jr. Malcolm X was speaking to his own people. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Malcolm X. Martin Luther King
0: invited the oppressors to join him in his struggle. And he did so with nonviolent resistance. Uh, he didn't welcome them to take over. He led. And that is the posture that I want
2: to suggest that folks that look like me, and folks that look like a lot of people that are listening, can take when we talk about this new kingdom. Who are our ancestors? who are the racialized people among us? Because when Paul says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither the the, the racialized, colonized people nor the colonizers, there's no slave nor free, there's no male nor female, non-binary, thank you very much. Um, I don't think that that means it's said and done. And I think anyone who thinks that that means it's said and done Hasn't taken a look outside recently. Um, Hasn't been paying attention to the news. That is very much not true. I think that what we have is an opportunity in the Jesus story to help create a
0: world where that can be true. And I do not believe that the way that we do that is with Empire. Last week, Jay said,
2: kill your idols. Uh, And uh, it was about the most political message that Jay has ever given. And I recognize that I am speaking on a broadcast that has a, an American, uh, uh, an American, um, it, it's an official church, according to the American law, which means I can't encourage you to vote one way or the other. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't encourage you to vote one way or the other. <laughs> um, instead, I'd like to challenge you with something if you uh, if you find that you still think you're gonna find salvation in Egypt, or in Babylon, or in Rome, or in the United States of America, or in Democrats, there's a story um, of Clarence Thomas, largely responsible for the changes that have happened in the United States recently, the Supreme Court decisions to overturn Roe v. Wade, he made, it, he made a, uh, a statement saying that he also thought that the Supreme Court needs to reconsider the decisions to say that two consenting adults can get married, whatever gender they are. He wants to reconsider gay marriage, and he wants to reconsider privacy in the bedroom, meaning. Consenting adults can do what they have can they can do what they want behind closed doors.
0: He wants to reconsider those Supreme Court decisions. Um Clarence Thomas, what became a Supreme Court justice during the time of george
2: uh, Humphrey, uh, Willow. Bush. I'm not American, I don't remember his middle names. And uh, so George H.W. Bush was the president and, and Clarence Thomas was nominated. When he was nominated, it was leaked that there was credible evidence that he was a uh, sexual abuser. Uh, the accuser was Anita Hill. And uh, so Anita Hill was called forward by the Judiciary Committee because they were forced to do so um, because it had been leaked. And Anita Hill came forward, and she testified, and it uh, was heard by the Judiciary Committee. And that Judiciary Committee uh, did not want to do this. And they made it clear that they uh, would not allow any, um, any other witnesses to come forward, even though there was at least one other woman who could corroborate these claims and say, this is... Not a man who has the uh, the uh, the lifestyle of a judge. Um, the head of that judiciary committee was Joe Biden. Um, Joe Biden, who last week, I'm going to read this properly. I'm not an American. <laughs> Joe Biden, who last week appointed a conservative, pro-abortion federal judge, last week um we can't we can't put our trust in babylon <laughs> but we can we can resist babylon and we can create a new world we can sing like mary did we can gather people we can listen to the racialized and the colonized people. We can follow their lead. We can listen to their stories. And we can participate in a world that will exist after empire is gone. Now, this is where I wanted to take us to nonviolent communication. I'm almost done, and I think I'm over my time.
0: Um, But we're going to take some time.
2: we are gonna take some time. Oh, I see that there's been some conversation. I hope that you all have been disagreeing well, which doesn't necessarily mean agreeing to disagree, okay? I'm gonna bring us back to nonviolent communication. I have a few tips, okay? Here are the basics. First of all, this. Um, I encourage you to be angry and have your feelings if you have them. I encourage you, I'm not saying encourage you to be angry, I'm saying if you are angry, I encourage you to to have those feelings and to express them and to let that teach you about the injustice and the, the separation between what it is that you know that you need and the things that you know that you want and the way things are. It's good to be angry when you see that things are not as they could be, I encourage you to have joy uh, when you're feeling joyful, and to express that joy loudly. Uh, and as you do, organize. And as you do, uh, when I say organize, let's uh, let's give some examples. Join a
0: union. <laughs> Join a union. Uh, Find a union uh, for
2: your particular type of work and organize with people and learn about that history of organizing in a way that is outside of the capitalist frame. Um, Join an affinity group. Join join a group of people that are uh, together for a purpose that is making change. We do live in empire, and we can have conversation with empire, and sometimes that conversation means standing up and saying no. Um, Join those groups. Listen to the people that are already doing it. And hey, maybe we can have conversation as a community for how we can do that, because we exist in a space where a lot of us have communication with and, and, and experience among white evangelicalism. That's, I mean, we are one degree of separation from that. And I'm telling you within that community, we have great opportunity to influence and make change because we're close to it. And sometimes, a lot of the times, That's not going to look
0: like angry
2: organizing or waving flags or banners or marching or occupying. Um, A lot of times that's gonna look like conversation.
0: The people that you work
2: with, your family, we're white. (laughs) Uh, We have the opportunity. I forgot to say this at the beginning of the message. Not everyone here is white and I understand that. I was going to talk about nonviolent resistance, and I wanted to make it clear that when I'm talking about nonviolent resistance and suggesting that it's a way, that it isn't necessarily a way for everybody. I wanted to make it clear that I'm talking to white people, and that um, uh, as white people, we have opportunity to talk to the people around us um, uh, and have privilege to do so um, about a different way of living. So the basics are this, Um, allow yourself to be vulnerable and talk about your feelings. Uh, We like to sloganeer and we like to, we like our, we like our slogans. We like our slogans like my body, my choice. Um, That's great. That's great for a poster. That's great for a banner. That's great for a 15 second commercial spot. It may not work when talking to uh, Uncle Bob. You might need to expand a little bit on what that means. What does it mean to respect the autonomy of of each person's
0: body and their choice to do with that body what they want? Um, Or what... um, I'm not going to give any more examples because
2: I'm running out of time. Um, what does it mean to you? What is your experience? Now, in this in this case, this might be like showing someone your other cheek. This doing so, making yourself vulnerable in this way might mean that you get slapped. It might mean that you find yourself naked or that you're walking
0: a long way. Um, and it might mean that you... Make it ally. The second thing is, is is make your needs clear.
2: What is it that you want from this person in particular, okay?
0: But before you do either of those things, what are they feeling? Um, I wouldn't doubt that uh, a
2: lot of folks um, are going to have a lot to say about the safety of children or about the life of a fetus. Uh, give them a listen. Hear what they have to say. Don't toss them out. Because if that is something that they deeply believe, um, we're not going to get anywhere in conversation in any of these things if if uh, if we just dismiss them because that's something that they have to say. Or if we tell them, oh, you you don't actually believe that. You just want to control women's bodies. Maybe they do. Um, I was I was pro-life. Many of you were. Many of you might be. Um, when I was, and for those of you that are, and um, for those of you that were, you probably remember it was uh, it was a strong belief that uh, that abortion was murder. But that's another cliche, like uh, like my body, my choice. It looks good on a poster. It does not. It does not help the conversation, one-on-one. So what do you need? What do they need? What is it that they're looking for? Are they upset about trans people in bathrooms? Why? They're concerned about safety of their children. You don't need to discuss right away whether or not that concern actually matches reality. Um, because the statistics show that that is just simply not a real actual danger. my cat is moving. Um, but it's a real concern that this person has, and we can hear that. And if you share the concern for the safety of children, you can tell them so.
0: Um, you might get yourself slapped. Um, you might find yourself naked. Uh, but these these are ways of nonviolence. A couple of other hints: um, don't
2: put your butt in an angry person's face. <laughs> if somebody is coming at you and they are angry and they are clearly uh, not ready to listen, uh, and they have not given consent to see your butt, um, that is not a great time to show them your butt. And uh, what I mean by this, of course, is B-U-T, they're coming at you, they're angry, they're in your face. Um, That is not the time to say, yeah, but they're not going to hear you. It's not gonna happen. Um, But they might, they might, um, after you've heard them out, after you've heard why they're angry and what is the need that's in between um, what, they, what, what, they, what they feel they need and what they're receiving. Find out what that is. Tell them back to them what you feel that, that you think that they're saying um, and speak to them like a human being. Uh, this is nonviolent communication. Uh, this is a practice. This is not easy. This is not, it is much easier to accuse It is much easier to say, yeah, you know what, but you are a baby killer or you are... um..." I'm not gonna start saying, (laughs) saying the things, I can't say the things, excuse me. It's much easier to start accusing. And I've heard accusations. I am a person who lives in the world wearing dresses and makeup and... Um, caring for children. I've heard
0: accusations. Um, it's going to happen. Um, and a new kingdom is coming. I could I could go on. Um,
2: I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to remove this barrier and see what's going on in the co- in the. Uh, conversation uh uh josh i know that we're over time um oh, there's a man. lot going on here uh if you
1: mm-hmm. want to come back um oh i'm here i'm here that was a great 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 talk i uh i was taking Do- notes and i'm gonna have to listen to it uh again because there was i couldn't write fast enough that was gave me a lot to think about well, you, you know more about what's going on in the chat than
2: I do, so if you want to oh. point to some things, I would love to, um, to react in whatever way.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of um, Roe v. Wade talk, but everybody's been um, good with their disagreeing well. You know, we definitely have different um, stances, um, so oh my hold on um, so but everyone yeah there we had some people um speaking from the heart some from um experience some from very tragic experiences and so it was uh good but no one really seemed to get um very nasty um so but no one uh, uh-huh. no one asked i'm i'm Phrasing like that because no one um, has asked a like a specific question. It was a lot of back and forth. Um. Uh, yeah. Steve says what, that was wonderful, um, which I definitely agree. Um, you got another compliment on your shirt from Ray. I love this shirt. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great one. Um,
2: uh, uh, okay. Um, well, why don't we like we're on a delay, but why don't we just like leave it for a moment and see if yeah, there's sure. any, any questions? I didn't get through all my notes, um, and uh, so yeah, I didn't get to as much of the uh, as much of the uh, <laughs> hints and tips for nonviolent communication as <laughs> I uh, I thought I might. Um, but uh, my I think just introducing an idea. Um, I, I want. Uh, I'm hoping that this is. I'm just talking, hoping that um, if you're if you're in the chat and you have any questions, that you'll that you'll go for it. I'm just on a delay, so so Josh and I won't see them for like a minute. Yeah, uh, it, so, it
1: it takes uh, um, some time, so we'll we'll leave it up. But yeah, so um, another compliment um, on your shirt.
2: <laughs> my intention my intention here was to was to compliment. Um, the things that Jay has been saying, what, what I believe that this uh, community is about, um, but to give some, that, that practice that I described of nonviolent communication is one step, one tiny nugget of how we can actually put this kind of world into practice. It's just one, um, but I just, that's me trying to make it practical so um so that's what i was hoping to do um and uh let's see if there's any other any other questions um there were a couple things that i didn't mention um terminating cliches maybe avoid them um i guess i know no i mentioned sloganeering um i mentioned um accusations uh there's a there's a There's a, um, a logical fallacy called, um, oh my gosh, the name has slipped my mind right now. Um, there's a logical fallacy, uh, or, or there's, there's two logical fallacies that I think are, are, are relevant. Um, one is, uh, oh my gosh, bad religion sang a song ad hominem. (laughs) um so bad bad religion song i just needed to remember that so an ad hominem attack is when we decide we're not going to listen to somebody because of something in their person instead of hearing what they have to say and it's a way of dehumanizing somebody and when we do that we're not actually seeing that person anymore and also we're not opening up the opportunity to change here's the thing if we're going to communicate nonviolently and actually listen to people we have to be willing to recognize that we might be the one to change we might be the one to change our mind. Um, if if we're coming into that like a chess game, um, th- then we're not we're not actually engaging another human being, right? Um, we're we're just we're just playing a chess game. We're just we're just moving pieces on a board. Um, and if we and if we're looking at another person, saying, "Hey, like this is one that I actually get often. Um, I get often in person or online. Um, in person, it will be." uh you're making you're wearing makeup i don't have to listen to a a word you're saying by the way thank you very much lauren my neighbor for the makeup i'm uh feeling very good today with my makeup um (laughs) and uh you're wearing makeup or you're wearing a dress i don't have to listen to a thing that you have to say um or online i have pronouns in my bio and i've literally had about five times now people say you have pronouns in your bio i don't have to listen to a thing that you have to say <laughs> um we could just as easily say i i know you voted republican i don't have a th- i don't have to listen to a thing you have to say um but as soon as we do that we we lose the opportunity of potentially making an ally um of course i've i've showed my hand when it comes to my own political leanings um but uh, uh Guess what? Um what I've described actually works for everybody. So even if you uh don't feel as I do, nonviolent communication uh is not something that just works for for weirdos like me. Um <laughs> not a weirdo.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm pretending you think so. Um and um the other one is straw man. When instead of listening to what the other person has to say and and actually hearing their argument, we come up with an argument that they're saying and we argue against that, and uh, and as soon as we do that, we're not listening, and as soon as we do that, we're we're not having a real conversation with that person. So,
1: very true. No, this has been uh, this has been great. No, there's um. So uh, looks like there's something going on in the in the uh, well. So, um, a lot of it is we, uh, Andrea seems to have a a different opinion on the, the Roe v. Wade, um, and we just don't want them to feel like ostracized for it. You know, it's, uh, everyone's, uh, you know, allowed to have their own opinions and that's what we're, we're not trying to preach to, to the choir as comforting as it is. So, um. We want difference of opinions. We just want to navigate them well.
2: Andrea, I'm really glad that you're here. And I yeah. hope that you stick around. Uh, um,
1: they There was a few requests to have you back in which I responded that you will be back. You just didn't know it yet because oh. you were talking. But
2: <laughs> uh, Apparently, I'm invited back. Then. Yes. Uh, um, the, um,
1: let's, let's I don't have... have...
2: I mean, I did say the F word at least once. And, yeah, you know, I, I'll take it out. I
0: have
1: to do that for for J too. But
2: I suggested that the United States was, you know, an empire, you know, on the July Fourth weekend. So,
1: yeah, well, I mean, how? What? Uh, it's like only America and the Roman Empire cover their heart, right? So with their hands. So it's, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Selena,
2: I'm glad that you stuck around for this. Um, give me a call after. I'd love to talk to you. No idea how Selena's going to respond to this, uh, you know, privately with me. (laughs) No idea how this is going to go. But uh, Selena, I'm glad that you were here. Um, I hope that I uh, covered some of the things that you suggested. Um, When it comes to nonviolence, now that I'm like, oh yeah, Selena's listening. Um, (laughs) When it comes to nonviolence, one of the things that I... Say when I say I'm talking to white people is um, uh, we we like to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. using nonviolence and uh, we white people do. <laughs> and uh, often when when white people talk about Martin Luther King Jr. using nonviolence, we will uh, we will say so uh, in a way that is prescriptive, as though we're saying you know you know those people need to also. Organized nonviolently mm. because Martin Luther King Jr. did. Meanwhile, we are sitting on our ass and doing nothing. Um, nonviolence is a very brave, very bold, very dangerous thing to do.
1: It's not for the and weak so of heard, heart. Yeah.
2: Not at all. And when I say that I'm suggesting that nonviolence is a way, um, I'm saying that as a white person, um, I need to do it first. I'm saying I'm not going to prescribe that to folks with less privilege than me. I'm going to say I'm going to do this, um, uh, and and uh, I'll say this: my my nonviolence, um, my nonviolence, even as it is, stops short of uh, when I need to protect my children. Mm. It's uh, it's not a it's not a it's not something that we can just wave around because you know Martin Luther King Jr said it so we need to do it too mm-hmm. or you know Jesus said turn your cheeks so we should all go around getting our cheeks slapped you first
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you well, first there's a an interesting story that i love with Jesus too when he's on trial a roman soldier hits him with the of be- uh, the butt of his spear and Jesus doesn't strike back, but he confronts the person, right? He says, what did I do to deserve that? If I don't do anything to deserve it, then don't do it. You know, it's a very, uh, it's not a violent confrontation, but it is standing uh, his ground uh, in response to it. So that always is something that sticks with me as well. He's not just, we we often think of turning the other cheek as just getting walked over and uh, smacked around and discarded. But so that was uh, always something that stuck out to me as well we have
2: somebody in the chat um joseph camp says i don't believe in being an ally i believe in being a but not to everyone i agree with you i would like to speak to that um i don't think that i made this clear enough remember i was speaking to white folks and um and One thing that was in my notes that I didn't get to was this. Uh, Before you even go ahead and uh, try to non-violently confront somebody, uh, yeah, you don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't have to make a friend of everybody. You don't even, (laughs) yeah, uh, you don't have to do that. If somebody is determined to misunderstand you, walk away. Walk away. Don't stick your butt in the face of an angry person. Okay? Um, in, uh, in Jesus' teachings, he also said, if you go into a town and you're not received, he said, knock the dust from your feet and go somewhere else. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It is also nonviolent to walk away. That is also nonviolent. non-violent. Um, and you know what, there are other ways of interacting other than nonviolence as well. Um, I am going, uh, I'm a, I am a trans non-binary person. I'm a queer person in the world. And, uh. I'm not going to give examples. That's what I paused for to consider. I'm not going to give examples. Um, I, uh, but I have experienced violence or threats of violence to my person, and I did not respond with a smile. I will give. I will give a very general example. Um, and, and also, you know what? Even just in the last couple of weeks, I have responded. Uh, to somebody that was that I perceived as threatening in a way that I would say was not nonviolent um I got all up in their space and I stuck a camera up to their face and I yelled at them. I was very angry um, yeah, so you know uh <laughs> Jay often talks about ways that he screwed up that's how much I screwed up uh this was uh this was a a viciously anti-trans person standing on a street corner with amplification and signs uh, talking about trans people. Um, and, uh, and they do this often. And I got right up in their face about it. Um, I mean, I didn't touch them but i wouldn't say that i responded nonviolently to them i would say you know I'm, i mean, i suppose i did i suppose that was nonviolent but not really in the spirit of what i'm talking about in the sense that you know i no it was i was accusatory i was but then i changed my tactic and i didn't need to do this i'm not saying this is prescriptive either okay you don't need to do this you could instead of getting up in someone's face and accusing them just not do that that's also nonviolent but what was important to me was this guy shut the fuck up. That was what was important to me. I was in the realm of, of, um, of uh, harm reduction. And so, what I did is I took a pause and I stepped away and I looked at him, and I said, uh, I got his attention, and he was still talking into his mic, and uh, and I apologized for getting all up in his face and said, look, um, the reason that you shoved me with your hand and then pushed me with your sign was probably because I was standing too close to you and you were scared. After you shoved me with your hand and pushed me with your sign, I got scared and I responded by putting my camera in your face and screaming and yelling at you. And that probably made you feel scared. What I would really like is to have a conversation with you. And that guy took the microphone off his head, and he put it down, and he talked to me for 30 minutes. Did I change his mind? No, I did not. (laughs) Did he change mine? No, he did not. Uh, Did we make friends? No, we did not. Uh, But for 30 minutes, the people of downtown Amesquatchee... Amesquatchi is not a thing. The people that were in this in this downtown area in my city, um, uh, once called Am-Skwachi, um they didn't have to listen to this guy for thirty minutes, hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was my nonviolent resistance.
1: And um, it, it, it it also goes without saying that you said you did not change their mind and but you might have given them something to think about when they're trying to sleep and they're tossing and turning and all that stuff you don't know but maybe it's it's possible right because we've had interactions with people like you're still talking about the the interaction and how it made you self-reflect so it's it's possible to uh, to think that maybe that that happened as well maybe <laughs> maybe it's very difficult for me to have that hope um,
2: as somebody who's experienced the kind of violence and threats of violence that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and when somebody is so committed that they're standing up yeah, uh, and preaching on the street corner with signs and amplification,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, you know, we're, we're not dealing with the kinds of folks that are, you know, I'm not dealing with somebody who, who, is, you know, there to listen.
1: (laughs) That's very true.
2: Yeah. Yep. People with microphones are not there to listen. Look, here I am with a microphone right now, not Mm. listening right now. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. But but what happened was, for 30 minutes, he wasn't amplified, and the people of, you know, three blocks radius Mm. weren't listening to him say those things anymore. And uh, that was, that was a win, in my book. That is a win. Now, actually, I'll I'll go ahead since we're still here. Um, after I was there for thirty minutes, guess why I left, Josh? Guess why I left?
1: Why did you leave?
2: I, I left. Uh, I left because after thirty minutes, somebody else showed up with amplification. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I think they were singing "Dancing Queen." Okay. And they were they were covered in rainbows. And they had a they had a stool and they had balloons and streamers and a bunch of other people wearing rainbows who also had balloons and streamers <laughs> and right next to the sky. And they played Dancing Queen is what they started with. I'm almost certain. And uh, yeah, so you couldn't hear the guy anymore. And um, that was also nonviolent resistance.
1: Yes, it was. Um, that's great. That's great. That's the feel good so, story of the, <laughs> of the year. Yeah.
2: So. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. Have any questions shown up?
1: No, the comments on, um, on your, your story and people are impressed and uh, you know, you have, uh, Selena said more power to you. Uh, defend yourself you're not jesus you're a parent with kids and trans and have every right to be safe or get to safety very true
2: i would like to um i would like to offer the floor to
1: joseph camp we have a trans black man in i uh, i'm not trying to to undermine anything but i'm not fully convinced that joseph camp is not a troll who has been um Oh, really troll? Yeah, I, I cannot speak to it, but uh, there's been a few well, we don't, we don't com- know that. W- we don't know. There's a few comments and and baiting that seem to happen. So I just want to because uh, you are not able to see it happening live. The few the few comments. So
2: can't play here. Thanks, Joseph.
1: Yeah. Uh, um. OK. I could be very wrong. It's just, I just want to fill you in on my, my, um, instinct. And Joseph camp. Camp. Um, okay. If I'm wrong, Joseph, I do apologize uh, publicly, but here's,
2: here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I just want to, I just want to take a moment to, uh, um, Andrea, are you asking me what my passion in life is, or are you asking Lisa or someone else?
1: I want Joseph, to say that's if, for you.
2: If you're around Joseph, then I would love—I uh, would love to—to to hear what you have to say. Um, if you say that you are a trans black man, then um, I think that what you have to say is important, and uh, I'm not going to assume that you're a troll. Um, And uh, and if you're somebody who's been here with a lot of disagreements, then um, maybe you're worth listening to. And maybe we can practice. Um, I mean, like this has already gone way longer than it's supposed to. So (laughs) but, uh, um, Andrea, you asked me what my passion is Life in life is Um, my kids. Easy. Uh, That's that's just the only thing that comes to my mind immediately. My passion in life is being a dad more than anything else um that's my that's that's everything it's the reason why I have a job and I do have a job now for those who know that I've been looking for work and recently lost work I have a job now um and I'm uh supervising um I'm supervising playgrounds uh for the city of Edmonton um So I'll be doing that all this summer and as a city employee, I'll have opportunities to move on. Um, but also the jobs that that I applied for and the jobs that I, the job that I have, um, gives me an opportunity to be the best dad that I can be. Also, Uh, my kids can come to work with me, um, (laughs) and play at the playground and, um, and the path that I'm on, uh, as a city employee, gives me opportunities to pick roles where I will be as present for my children as I need to be. So, um, yeah, thanks for all the congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph camp. Um, I'm going to answer that question in just a moment. Okay. Just, uh, just, uh, um, my kids are 12. I'm going to talk about my kids for a minute though first, cause that's my passion. <laughs> uh so my kids are 12 years old on uh, July 6th. So hey,
1: this is the day before my birthday, July 7th. Your
2: birthday is July 7th? hmm Joshua, that means that your birthday, your birthday is before next week, before next Sunday.
1: Very true. Which
2: mm-hmm. means this is your birthday week, Joshua.
1: Me and Ringo Starr, baby.
2: This is your birthday week. Okay. I'm going to pull a Jim Baker right now. That's right. I just invoked Jim Baker and I'm going to say that if we have somebody's pre- somebody present whose birthday it is, we need to sing happy birthday to them. Oh members. god. Oh god. So I'm going to do that for you right now. And I'm just going to assume that everyone else out there is going to sing along with me. So if you would for Joshua Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy
1: birthday to Joshua. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> um,
2: so yes, um, I love being a dad. Um July sixth, I turned twelve. Uh, They just finished grade six and will be going to a new junior high school. That's what we call middle school here in in, uh, uh, next year, in September. Um, So uh, Joseph Camp asked what a woman is. So um, I'm going to start by saying that uh, for those that don't know, there is a a conservative pundit named Matt Walsh, who very recently put out a documentary called What is a Woman? And um, basically, it's a documentary of him filming himself asking people that question. The documentary doesn't exist to try and actually answer the question. The documentary does not exist to try to understand um, what trans people mean when they use the word woman. It doesn't try to do that at all. Um, And unfortunately, uh, that question, what is a woman, is like this documentary in the realm of those sort of sloganeering things that we say uh, in order to end conversation. It's said to try to trap somebody in a, oh, you're having a difficult time answering this question. (laughs) Well, then that just, you know, you're showing that you're an idiot or whatever. It's, the, it's a gotcha question. And in the realm of nonviolent communication, gotcha questions, not helpful. So right now, I want to determine, is Joseph Camp somebody who's walking the same direction as me? That's a thing that I, uh, it was in my notes that I didn't say. Um, <laughs> this is the don't put your butt in an angry person's face, right? Um, You ask me this question, but uh, is this person walking the same direction as me? Because if they're not, if they're determined to misunderstand me, then it isn't helpful for me to engage them. It's not helpful to them. It's not helpful to me. I don't have to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be a nonviolent response to not respond. Um, I could also... Choose to uh, choose to make the most gracious interpretation and say maybe he's actually seeking knowledge. Maybe he's trying to understand.
1: Well, it, it does go um, to be said that if you look back in the chat, they have been here for like an hour and a half. So it is it is around. possible. Yeah,
2: yeah, they've stuck around. So thanks for sticking around, Joseph. Yes, thank you. Um, so. Um, I don't know much more about Joseph other than that he uses a lot of cap locks, caps lock, and um, that uh, that he's asking me this question. Um, so I'm going to assume the most gracious response, that he doesn't know Matt Walsh. And even if he does, he's asking because he's actually trying to understand. Um, Joshua, um, the best under the best. Uh, answer that I can give you is that um, uh, uh, first of all, sex and gender are two different things. And um, so when your question, what is a woman, comes, then my question becomes, are you speaking of sex or are you speaking of gender?
1: Um,
2: Because sex is a biological thing. Um, we are born with a certain sex. Most of us are born either uh, with uh, with genitals that look like a penis or genitals that look like a vulva. And uh, those of us with genitals that look like a penis are called men or male. And those of us with genitals that look like a vulva are called female. And um, some of us are born with... Um, with uh, ambiguous genitals, and uh, those folks are called intersex. Also, some folks are born with a vulva or a penis and are also intersex because perhaps uh, their gonads are not uh, congruent with um, with uh, the penis or with the vulva, um, and uh, sometimes the uh, the inner genitals are different than the outside genitals um or sometimes they have both so um that's intersex folks um so if we're talking about biology then in common speech a woman could be described as an adult female person um that is still common speech uh however um gender is uh Gender is um, something that exists outside of just the, the genitals or the chromosomes. They have to do with what's going on inside of the person, inside of the human person. Um, and the way that they interact with um, gender identity, gender expression, and gender... Um, uh, yeah, gender identity, gender... Exp- I'm getting a lot of... Um, of uh, texts right now so I'm uh, a little bit distracted but gender identity gender expression and um, um, and some people are gender fluid so somebody who identifies with, as a woman might have different genitals than uh, somebody who's biologically female um, so yeah I hope that answers the question
1: I mean I think that's a very great and gracious answer so thank you
2: uh, there we go. I think um, I need to check my uh, my texts here. I think it might be about time to go.
1: Yeah, I think so. I did not want to cut you off because that was a very uh, oh, nope. thing. But it is...
2: oh my gosh, yeah, no, I realize it's a... it was so long. feel free to edit this down to like whatever mm. it's supposed to be. Oh my gosh, no, but the chat it's... is
1: wonderful. This is the afterglow. I'm really it, glad well, exact that... It's a we haven't had a combination uh, talk after going a while. So of course that is going to be, uh, longer, but it's after this, it's not going to be a live thing anymore. People could pause and come back to it later on. It, there's no, uh, no need to feel, uh, nervous about the length of, of the talk. It was great. But, uh, I, yeah, I think that Joseph Campbell, we might be, um, uh, Cam, you know, Joseph Campbell. We might be, don't need to use that word troll though. No, um, I'm not, I'm saying that we might be, uh, spinning our wheels is what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, but yeah, either way, it was very great uh, answer. So Uh, Joseph, Joseph, you can find me uh, on Instagram
2: at Z O S O B I R S S. And I would love to continue this conversation with you. You can also find me at queer Metamorphoses. That's Q U E E R, M E T, A M O R P H E S, Metamorphoses, not metamorphosis. Um, you can find me on Instagram with either of those. And um, so, yeah, I would. I'm very happy to continue this conversation. Um, Joshua, this uh, this chat was lovely. Is it possible for it to be posted so that the chat is still seen? So,
1: um, normally what I do is I will leave this, um, up until I do the edited one and then I swap them. The edited, excuse me. Um, the edited one does not have the chat. I do not know if that's a a possibility because I, uh, download it, but, um, it will be up with the chat for a few days, and I will. I don't. I don't delete anything. So even if I when I swap them out, it still exists. It's not like deleted off oh, of YouTube. Does? Yeah, yeah. I may. I usually oh. mark it to unlisted or private. This way, because what would happen would be the the next two videos would be the live be talk the and the edited talk of the live talk. So that's why I try to do that. But can we call
2: one of them? can we call one of them
1: raw and one of them edited? Yeah, we could. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely talk to Jay about what his, um, or like with chat and edited without chat and edited. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'll, Uh you know, I can't make, I'll, I'll talk to Jay. I can't make the full on decision right here, but I think that's a good idea and we could probably certainly do that. So
2: Hey, love to all y'all and to, uh, to jay when you listen to this later and to everyone else who listens to this later hi hi derek mensch um um, just smoldering in the background of our photo um yeah i'm thirsting for derek mensch 20 years later (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: (laughs) hi uh hi everyone else um listening to this later it was uh it was a pleasure to be here and um and uh, solidarity
1: to all of you. All right. Thank you, everyone. And um, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.